Well, the title this week is Soup Du Jour. Yeah, and that's what everybody in the room went, what? Soup Du Jour, soup of the day, what? You know, I, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. Grew up just south of Boston. I don't know, you know, Yankee, I know, I know. <laughs> but if you've ever been to New England, you know, we don't really deal in soup, we deal in chowder. New England clam chowder. Man, there is nothing like New England clam chowder in New England. You can't really get that in Texas. They call it New England clam chowder, but it is not New England clam chowder, if you can even find it. A lot of times I go to a restaurant and I'm in the mood for New England clam chowder, and I'll ask them, hey, do you have New England clam chowder? And they went, mm, no, but we have soup du jour. <laughs> well, what's the soup of the day? And they'll tell me minestrone or chicken noodle, whatever. So now I've got a choice. It doesn't sound much like a choice, but it really is a choice. I can sit there and I can eat the soup of the day, whatever it is they want to give me. Pay five bucks and eat the soup of the day. Or, you know, I could get in my car, drive to DFW Airport, go buy a plane ticket, fly up to Boston, get in a cab, get down, downtown Boston, and get some real New England clam chowder. So here's my choice. I can have a $5 bowl of soup du jour or like a $500 bowl of New England clam chowder. It's not really much of a choice, but it is a choice. I could do that. Odds are I'm just going to take the soup du jour, whatever it is they want to give me, because it's simple. It's easy. It's not expensive compared to $500 bowl of New England clam chowder. There's an interesting story in the Bible about soup. Yeah, there really is, believe it or not. It's a really interesting story, and it, it has a very interesting principle that I want to talk about tonight. Because here's the thing in the Christian life. I think a lot of times we settle for something easy versus something that the Lord wants to give us. So if you're familiar with this story, you know it's in Genesis chapter 5. It's Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. Now, to give you a little bit of historical context here, you have Noah, okay, the big flood. After Noah, eventually comes Abram, who becomes Abraham, the father of many nations and the father of our faith. Abraham has a son named Isaac. Of course, we know the story of Isaac. He goes tries to sacrifice Isaac on the mountain. God stops him, and Isaac eventually has two sons, one named Esau and the other named Jacob. As they grow up, it says that Esau was an outdoorsman. He was like a hunter, and his dad preferred Esau because he loved going out and catching wild game and cooking it for his dad. Well, Jacob was much more of a mama's boy. He liked to stay home. He's much more a quiet spirit and gentle. So as they grew up, there I mean, you couldn't have two completely different brothers than these two. One day, Esau comes home from being out in the, the wild. And here's what it says in Genesis chapter 5, starting in verse 20. Nine. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. 
And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I am about to die, so what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way, and then thus Esau despised his birthright. Now let me give you a little background on birthright. In that culture, the oldest son was given the birthright to the inheritance. The oldest son would get double the blessing, double the inheritance of every other son. And it was part of the culture that you could actually sell your birthright to another son. Well, and this is where we come into this context, where Jacob knows this, and he's looking at Esau, and he knows Esau is hungry. And he has something that Esau wants, and Esau has something that Jacob wants. So Jacob offers him the soup of the day for his birthright. Hey, man, you can... uh, Absolutely, just give me your birthright. And in another version, it says that Jacob, I mean Esau, was basically saying, what good is my birthright? Because I'm hungry now. It's not going to feed me now. I want food now. What good is my inheritance 20 years from now? I need food now. I want soup. So he was willing to give up his inheritance for something that was immediate. And I think as Christians, we do this all the time. We do this all the time. We go for the soup of the day rather than for our inheritance. Because in the gospel, we are given an inheritance. We are called children of the promise. Jacob would eventually become Israel. After many, many years, God finally hones Jacob, and he changes his name to Israel, who becomes, of course, the father of the 12 patriarchs. And later on, we read in the New Testament that Jacob was the son of promise, or Isaac was the son of promise, and the promise was passed on through Jacob, and we are called sons and daughters of the promise And that same promise which started with Abraham is passed down through the lineage, through the faith lineage to us. We are children of promise. We have an inheritance in the kingdom through the gospel. But we also have a choice. A lot of times there's an immediate thing we want or need And it's not Jacob coming to us, it's the enemy. And he offers us the soup of the day, something we want, something that's immediate. Because here's some of the characteristics of the soup of the day. It doesn't require waiting. It's immediate versus something that we have to wait for, but it is our inheritance. So we don't have to wait for it. And there's no sacrifice on the front end, or at least no apparent sacrifice. Because the Esau, to say, sure, you can have my birthright. There was no sacrifice on that in the front end. 
but it cost them his inheritance on the back end. It appears really quick and easy. It's simple. He didn't have to cook the soup. He didn't have to do anything. All he had to do was take it. And you know what? At times, sometimes the soup of the day can even appear to be God's will. Because it's something we want. It's something we desire. So what do those things look like? What is the soup of the day in the church? What are the things that we tend to grab hold of instead of waiting for the promise of our inheritance? Well, obviously, the easiest one is sin. I mean, that's, that's right across the board. Sin always offers us an easy way out, something we want, something quick, with low front end, high back end pay. It's like, it's like going to Denny's, putting your, your meal on a credit card. It's easy up front, but you end up paying for it three or four or five months in a row for a meal you only ate once. And that's really what sin does. You buy it once and you pay for it over and over and over and over again. So that's sin, and that's easy. That's pretty, pretty blatant. I want to hit four other areas that are not so blatant, that are very subtle, that we exchange the immediate for our inheritance. And now, these things on the surface appear good, and, and a lot of times they are good. And they can be good. But what happens is when we trade them for our inheritance, they do not become good for us. Number one, Bible study. Bible study? How can that be? How can that be bad? Well, if we trade Bible study for our own personal spiritual growth, it can be a soup of the day for us. How does that work? Well, I go to a Bible study. I sit through the Bible study. I complete the Bible study. I'm now done. I transfer the responsibility of the study. I transfer the responsibility of learning to the teacher. And all I got to do is sit through it. As long as I finish the Bible study, I'm good. It's okay. I don't need to do anything. I now transfer that responsibility to the class. Now, are Bible studies good? Absolutely. But they're terrible substitutes for our inheritance in growing in the Lord, our own personal growth. And a lot of times, if the enemy can't keep us out of fellowship, can't keep us out of the church, he'll deceive us into trading something for our inheritance. So we go to a Bible study, but we don't do anything when we go home. We just take what is given to us, but we do nothing with it. That's a very dangerous thing. Number two, we respond to an altar call instead of walking in true repentance. A lot of times we can come down here and we have an encounter with the Lord, but as soon as we walk out there, we're no different than we walked in. And we think, oh, you know what? I went down to the altar. It's okay. Everything's fine. I'm so much better. And we trade an experience for a transformation. 
very dangerous thing. Is responding to an altar call a good thing? Absolutely, as long as it results of massive change out there. True encounters with Jesus leave you changed, not just excited. They leave you changed. Number three, serving or being in ministry instead of personal character development. This one is very, very deceptive. And I I had coffee today with a former pastor, and I was talking to him about the fact a lot of times we look at ministry or ministry opportunities as my identity. I'm a worship leader. I'm a teacher. I'm a Bible study teacher. I'm a greeter. I'm, I'm an evangelist. I'm whatever. Versus I'm a child of God, and I have an inheritance in the gospel. And instead of allowing God to develop my character, all I want to do is have a position. All I want to do is have a title. And that becomes the substitute, the soup du jour, for the inheritance of my character that God wants me to have. That's a very, very dangerous thing, and it happens all the time, where people trade ministry or serving for character development. God's not interested in what you can do. He's interested in who you can become. Because when you change... Everything around you changes. God's not interested in what you can do. He doesn't need what you can do. He invites you to become like him. And our being involved in ministry is just an opportunity to become more like him, not do things for him. He doesn't need us to do things for him. We can't do anything for him. He's the one who does it all. He just invites us into working with him, not for him. And then finally, number four, church attendance instead of real intimate relationship. A lot of times people just come to church, but when they go home, they don't even say Jesus. <laughs> they never touch their Bible. There's not a hint of prayer. But they come to church. You know, I punch my card, man, I'm good. Is going to church good? Absolutely. But if it is the substitute for your relationship with Jesus, it's a dangerous thing. If you've ever read the book Radical by David Platt, in that book he says, There are literally millions of people who go to church. They've prayed a prayer, signed a card, walked an aisle, or become a church member. They think they're in. They've been told that they're in, but they're out because they don't have a relationship. It's not about where you are on Sunday. It's about where you are on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, right here, not right here. That's what God's looking for. That's what God is after. And unfortunately, we have a culture sometimes that values action over heart attitude. I can show up, but I don't have to change. And that's easy. 
I sell my inheritance in the gospel for looking good on the outside. And the only person we end up fooling is ourselves. We can fool everybody else. doesn't matter. Because you can't fool God. You cannot fool Him. And there's going to be many, many people on that day of days who are going to be highly disappointed. Jesus wasn't kidding in Matthew 7 when He said, many on that day will come to Me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these great things in Your name? And He will say to them, not, you never served, not, you never were in a Bible study, not, you never went to church, I never knew you. I was never in relationship with you. That's what it's all about right there. That's what God is after. Going to church is an outflow of being in relationship. It's not the gateway to relationship. The only gateway to relationship is the gospel. That's it right there. And that gives you everything you could ever need because that is your inheritance in the kingdom. Now, why do we tend to settle for the soup of the day? Why do we tend to settle for these things instead of the real inheritance? Let me give you an illustration. I think a lot of times we tend to look around at other people and we believe the lie that, you know what, I'm just not good enough. I'm just not good enough. I like to work out. I, I go to a CrossFit gym. I don't know if you've ever, if you're familiar with what CrossFit is, just go on Google and or uh, YouTube and YouTube CrossFit. You'll get an idea. CrossFit is a very high intensity uh, uh, workout type program, and it's always done in groups. And the gym I go to, most of the people I work out or work out with, they're in their 20s and 30s. I am not in my 20s and 30s. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. So when we, we all work out together in a group, and I'm telling you, I'm usually the last one done. I am usually, I almost guarantee you, I'm one of the last ones done. And the first few months of going back to this, this gym and being the last person done, man, I started getting discouraged. You know why? Because I started looking at everybody else. Going, man, look at this, look at this girl beating me. She's lifting more than me, faster than me, and doing it better than me. That'll bless you. So not only do we do it in groups, but they put all the results on the board for all to see. And guess who's usually in the bottom? <laughs> yeah, that'll bless you too. So over time, man, I just kept going back, but I started getting more and more discouraged. And I was in a workout one day. And I'm working out, man, I'm just barely making it through. I'm just praying that the time runs out. And all of a sudden, the Lord just plopped something into my mind right in the middle of this, and it just literally, instantly changed my perspective. He said, you think you're not benefiting because you're not doing better than they are. He said, that's a lie. He said, you benefit from every step and every rep. I thought, whoa, ho. I mean, that changed everything for me. Because now when I go to the gym, I don't care what they're doing. It doesn't matter if I beat them or not. It's not like it doesn't count. It's not like my body doesn't benefit. Well, it's the same thing in the Christian life. I think a lot of times we come in and we think, I've got all this baggage. 
you know, if they really knew who I was, mm, they wouldn't even accept me. I don't know the Bible as well as everybody else. I can't do what Pastor Jeff does. I can't do what anybody else does. It's, you know, I don't even why I bother. And we start comparing ourselves to everybody else. But here's the reality. Every word, every verse, every paragraph, every chapter of the Bible you read counts. It counts and it benefits you. Every second, every minute you spend in prayer benefits you. Every time you approach Jesus, you are blessed. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It doesn't matter what anybody else is thinking. So every step and every rep you take in your walk with the Lord counts. It doesn't matter about anybody else. God is not comparing you with other people. He's calling you to become a better person. Not in relation to anyone else, but in relation to what he has already put in you. Because in you is everything you need to live out your kingdom destiny. But the enemy will constantly put these distractions in our way. And he will offer us the soup of the day if we'll just trade our inheritance. And that's the same thing that Jacob did to Esau. But we have that exact same choice. And you have it today. Are you willing to accept the soup of the day and trade your inheritance for it? On the front end, it may, may be easy. There's, there's nothing to pay up front, but it's going to cost you your inheritance if you keep buying that soup, if you keep trading for it. But today, you can stop. Today, you can make a decision and say, you know what? Today is the day that I decide to choose my inheritance over the immediate. Today is that day. So I want to give everybody that opportunity. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Because if it's not today, when is it going to be? Today is the day of salvation. And it's not just for those that don't know Jesus. It's for each and every one of us. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you can make the other trade. You can turn in that bowl of soup, and the Lord can give you back that inheritance that is rightfully yours. For the gifts and callings of the Lord are without repentance. They are without being revoked. And I guarantee you, he wants to give it to you more than you want it. He wants to give it to you more than you want it. And that fear that you're not worthy, that's what the gospel is all about. It's not about you being worthy. It's about God making you worthy because of Jesus. If you're in Jesus, you are worthy. Period. I don't care what you've done. 
I don't care what's been done to you. I don't care if it happened five minutes ago. In Jesus, you are worthy. The gospel has made you so. And today, you can claim what is rightfully yours, or you can just have a bowl of soup. It's up to you. It's up to all of us. So I'm going to ask them to drop the house lights. And I want to give you an opportunity to make a decision. I don't know what that soup of the day is for you. I don't know what it is that you've been trading for your inheritance. It doesn't matter what it is. And my guess is the Holy Spirit has been revealing that thing to you as, as I've been talking. And who knows, maybe he's been talking to you about it all week, not realizing what was going to happen tonight. And now he's saying, this is it. This is why I've been talking to you. This is your opportunity to make the trade, to take back what I want to give you more than anything else is that kingdom destiny, that for which I created you in the beginning. So when God created the world, he had you on his mind. And he knew sin was going to come in. And you know what? He knew that he would take care of that and it would not hinder his plan for you. So the day you were born, God had a plan. And whatever's happened between now or then and now, the gospel covers. The gospel removes and makes you worthy. Are you willing to receive that inheritance from the Lord tonight? So we're going to pray, and then I'm going to give you the opportunity to come on down. If you're willing to make that rightful trade, to take back what is rightfully yours, I want you to come down as soon as we finish praying. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you. Father, I thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ that is the power of God unto salvation. And Lord, it's not just salvation from hell. Lord, it's salvation from sin and the power of sin and the penalty of sin and all the consequences, Father. You are greater than all those things. And tonight, Father, I pray a blessing on each and every person in here tonight. Father, I don't know where they are, but you do. Lord, you know what deceptions the enemy has brought into our lives. And Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to those deceptions. And Lord, I thank you that tonight you offer the inheritance of the kingdom to each and every one of us here. And it's not based on what we've done or what we could ever do. It's based on what you did for us. It's because of Jesus. So Lord, I pray that you would move among your people tonight. Lord, you would draw them in. 
knowing that you, Father, will open your arms and embrace them with your love. In Jesus' name, amen.